All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Hold it. Now release slowly. Again, deep inhale. Hold. Repeating internally to yourself as you connect to my voice. I am deeply well. I 
am deeply well. I am deeply well. I'm Debbie Brown, and this is the Deeply Well Podcast. Welcome to Deeply Well, a soft place to land in your journey, a podcast for those that are curious, creative, and ready to expand in higher consciousness and self-care. I'm Debbie Brown. This is where we heal. This is where we become. Welcome back to the show. Something that I talk about quite a bit, and if you follow me on Twitter or threads, I'm known for a rant on this subject, (laughs) but it's something that I find to be so core and invaluable to the journey of healing that I really want to share this in so many ways that it can get to the core of your being. Practice, process, And taking time to study your unique body responses and feelings to the experiences you've had, are having, and desire to have. It is so, so important. At this moment in time, we are really blessed to be alive in a period that has never been to this degree, um, at least in this iteration of humanity, which is we are understanding, unwrapping, diving into consciousness really for the first time collectively and that's showing up in mental health conversations and conversations around trauma, self-care, and spirituality. Now, as things become more and more popular, we start to see them everywhere, right? Which means we are having an onslaught of really beautiful language, a whole lot of tools, and truly masterful bookworks that are moving through the world. But we're also moving through a space where it is becoming so mainstream that we're losing the nuance and we're losing the process of healing itself. And we're bypassing that sometimes really muddy experience that is so necessary for being on the shinier side of it and tweeting quotes that feel good, that we desire to live, and that uh, people can perceive us as. But if we miss the process, if we miss the understanding of how our unique bodies are connected to this earth, to our experiences, and to our transformation, then we miss all of it. We miss the whole point. So I'm really, really, really excited today to bring a special guest on the show who I know is going to just expertly dive into the fibers of this so that you can weave all the prayers that you have for yourself in your life into the world and live them. Today's guest is Kimber Malden, a nutrition consultant and a woman's health coach who takes a somatic and trauma-informed approach to women's health. She integrates somatic parts work, attachment coaching, NARM principles, and addressing complex developmental trauma and applied neurology into her private nutrition work so as to offer women a well-rounded and deep set of tools for addressing their long-term self-healing needs. Through both her own personal healing work and the professional work she's done with hundreds of women over the past few years, she's come to view everything in health and behavior through the lens of nervous system functions. 
Nutritionally, she works within the growing niche often referred to as pro-metabolic or bioengineeric, which places great emphasis on the impact of stress in all forms on the function of our cells' ability to produce energy. Disruptions in the ability of our cells to produce adequate energy to meet the energy demands of our modern lives is at the root of all chronic symptoms and illnesses, making metabolism a central focus within this niche. Tying in the effect of nervous system dysregulation and trauma within this approach to nutrition has provided Kimber with an insatiable desire to explore the intersection of nutritional and somatic healing. As she continues to work on her own self-healing and self-regulation with transparency and humility, she dedicates her professional work to supporting as many women as possible in developing these crucial tools for better long-term self-regulation and self-healing. Kimber, thank you so much for your work in the world, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. The work you're doing... It's monumental. I mean, I don't even think important is a word that can fully convey what it is that you do and what it is that you share. And something that has never lost on me is how grateful I am, even though the world is chaotic, to be alive right now. Mm. Because when have we ever had the opportunity to really heal ourselves at a cellular level and to change the trajectory of humanity, to change the trajectory of our families. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to start by first asking about your journey into this work, because this is, mm -hmm. this is not simple work. This mm -hmm. is very layered and it takes mm -hmm. not just so much time and patience, but so much experimentation, mm -hmm. so much self-experimentation. Yeah. So what led you to the work? Yeah. Um, I think the simple answer is health crisis, like struggling with my own health and realizing that um, I wasn't, I needed to turn inward for support and, and really get to know myself in order to know how to heal myself. Um, and so when the, the, when the Western medical model didn't work, um, I turned to diet and like veganism and, mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of really kind of strict dieting. Um, and that also got me a little bit closer to myself, I think, because it like put the emphasis back in my hands. Mm. Um, but I also started to realize that I was trying to spiritually bypass or like cleanse my way out <laughs> of having a lot of trauma. And I yeah. think it wasn't until I started to work with the metabolism and specifically with women that I started to notice like the nervous system component over and over and over again in myself, but also with the women that I was working with. So like I was getting... Mm. I was getting my clients mirroring my issues. Um, and that's when I started to, I think, take the trauma component more seriously. Um, wow. So that's like kind of a, you know, an overly simplified because yeah. there's just like so much detail there. Um, but I think that like, yeah, I think that I've come to where I am now through struggling and realizing mm -hmm. like I actually have to address this stuff. And as a, as a result of that, realizing that like it's needed. Oh my gosh. Like you're saying it's so needed, but I didn't go into it like I can do this. Like I'm the champion of the people or right, whatever. Right. It's more just like I'm struggling. I need answers. Um, as I, you know, got more answers and more tools and more wisdom and knowledge, I realized that this is like, this is a shared collective issue. Yes. And you know, when you're on the path of really authentically living your life in purpose and not performative kind of cultural purpose, 
it's how we all find our work, right? It's yeah. like we, in some ways, we are these wounded healers or we are suffering inside, no matter what externally it looks like. And there reaches a moment um, where I think we break, you mm-hmm. know, we just really break completely and say, okay, I can't be on the surface with whatever this is a moment mm-hmm. longer. I have to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something that I've shared is, you know, in my journey, I, I was meditating for probably 10 years, which changed my my life. I mean, just dramatically um, changed my inner world dramatically, I should say. But I still lived with chronic pain that I'd had since I was 16 years old. And some days mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to walk like there would I was guaranteed three to four days out of every single month, I could not get out of bed. I couldn't walk. And I was having all these other issues. And, you know, the transformation, the consciousness I was beginning to glimpse inside of my spirit was not manifesting in the transformation in my life. Like I was still Mm. suffering in so in my body, in so many of my choices and my connections. And it wasn't until I decided to, I didn't even think, I I don't think I had a choice, but (laughs) until I found somatic experiencing Mm. that I began to go inside and things changed and I developed Mm -hmm. the process, the practices, the self-compassion to Mm -hmm. actually really be with myself in the pain so Mm -hmm. that I could clear it, so that I could accept it, so Mm -hmm. that I could live. And I think for you know, I want to, I'm not a man, so I would like to speak to this from the lens of a woman, um, but I'm sure many men listening can connect to this. That is the part that is so hard to do. So many of us live in the intellectualization part and we think going to cognitive therapy or getting all the books, well, I'm doing the work because I'm filling myself with knowledge. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is not enough Mm -hmm. unless it's integrated, metabolized, and embodied, which means it shows up in your behavior and your choices. Mm -hmm. And that can't change until we change the function of how we feel inside and how we experience this vessel that our soul is residing in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just really, I deeply connect to that. And, you know, something I think, an area I think I'd like to start is, can you... This is a very, very new topic that studies are still being developed around. So depending on who your doctor is, they may or may not hold space for having this conversation, if any um, move forward in this, CPTSD in women. Mm -hmm. What is it Mm -hmm. and how common is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so CPTSD stands for complex post-traumatic stress Um, disorder. And I think a lot of people know trauma as PTSD. So traumatic stress disorder, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And the difference is um, PTSD tends to be situational. So it's usually something happens to us. Um, Again, you can have both, but there is, there is a distinction. And I think it's important to understand the distinction because I actually think that CPTSD is more common and I think women are more sensitive to it, more potentially like the potential of having it is potentially higher for women. And I, so it's developmental. It happens over a longer period of time. Mm. Whereas PTSD is something happens to you that threatens your survival. So you have this stored memory of something like, say you get like a personal example would be, I got hit, I get hit, I get hit by a car as a pedestrian years ago. And, um, I was okay. I had some like bruises and stuff, but like 
for, I would say a few years after that, I would have racing heart, um, all of the things that would, you know, sympathetic dominant state would come up every time I would cross the street as a pedestrian. And it took me, that actually took me into somatic experiencing. And that was my first experience of doing somatic experiencing for that particular issue Mm. that I then took on and did for a lot of other stuff as well. Like it was my, as a really, really heady, you know, disembodied young girl, that was like my first taste of getting deep into the body and the Mm. the somatic world and the nervous system. Um, But there was a lot there that I didn't touch because I have a really high ACE score. I have a lot of complex trauma. So I did somatic experiencing for years and I didn't resolve all of the things that I was struggling with. Mm. Like there was a lot that stayed in my relationship patterns and including like how I relate to myself. And I didn't understand why. Like I was like, I'm doing all this work. I'm like feeling all the time. You know, I have all these skills to deal with my system when it gets, um, you know, when I get triggered or get upregulated into the state where I don't feel like I can really ground or center. Um, And what I have learned since working with complex trauma is that complex trauma is relational. It's developmental. Um, and so you, and it usually develops over a longer period of time when you're younger and you're developing your sense of self. So it can often be like deeply woven into who you think you are. And whereas Mm. PTSD is survival based and it's kind of like, you're afraid for your life. That's the kind of underlying vibe of having PTSD. Complex trauma is you're ashamed. Mm. Like there's something wrong with me. Like there's something wrong with me. Like I need to, you know, I'm responsible for the bad things in my life or the bad things in the world. Um, So it's very much like when you're younger, it's based on the fact that when we're developing, we have to rely on our external world for everything, right? So if there's any kind of environmental failure with the care providers, with the environment itself, culturally, we will naturally turn inward and assume that it has to do with us. Yeah. We can't like we were so so reliant on the external world for uh, for survival that if we were to say, oh, you know, my mother actually has issues, like that would be, you know, that would be like a death threat for us or whatever. It's just not it's not comprehensible for the develop the developmental stage that we're in. Yeah. So we immediately say, oh, there's something wrong with me, and this is of course like deeply unconscious. So you develop at different stages with that narrative. And that affects how your nervous system responses to relationships, to changes in your life, to different stages where you would normally, I think, more seamlessly move into them. Mm-hmm. And I think for women, because one, first of all, women are just more sensitive to stress. Like we have a nervous system and uh, metabolism that is designed to carry life. And for that reason, because of our uni- unique reproductive wow needs, we are more likely to be stressed out over certain things. We have, we're more likely to have a nervous system that can get dysregulated that ties in with our immune system, with our fertility, with all these things. So, and then you take into the fact that like in this culture, women are, you know, pushing ourselves more than ever to perform, to outperform men or to compete with men or to at least be on like an equal playing field with men. And so I think there's just a lot of opportunities. And again, I'm not saying that like men don't have complex trauma or then that's not a real issue. But like as someone who is both a biological woman and also works with them, this is kind of like the focus of my work. And I feel like complex trauma is more common than we realize because again, it's like more nuanced. Um, And 
I think that a lot of women don't realize they have it until they start to work with their nervous system or start to work with their, their chronic illness. And then you start to, you know, when you're not making the progress that you want to make and you start to learn about your patterns, like really get to know your patterns, that when you can start to realize like, oh, this is, that's what this is. Yeah. But there's not like a, there's not like a, a language for it in this culture. Like we don't talk about it, I think in the in the way that we need to. And <sighs> it it's so, so deeply layered. There are just so many things I want to dive into in what you just said. Um, a couple things that I, I might pop in from time to time to clarify some things. If you're listening, I want to just make sure this can land where it needs to go. Because sometimes when we have complex trauma, we can, we're also still gifted and and maybe have all these other wonderful things happening for us, right? Like you may be brilliant, you may be creative, like we may play all these roles for people, but you still have that going on inside. So certain things that we call out, it's easy to reject them right away. Like mm. when we say words like you feel ashamed, very often we connect the word ashamed with our own behavior of having done something wrong. Mm. And so when it's like, well, no, I don't feel ashamed of myself. I don't feel shameful. Sometimes shame presents as the tiniest seed of unworthiness at the core of your belief about yourself. So even when stressful things continue to happen, there's some part of you that accepts it because you think you are inherently broken or deficient, or there is something that isn't as good about you as somebody else. Mm. And so you may have developed these different systems like achieving or, you know, productivity or saving. Say it again. Fawning. Like Fawning, being the yes. good girl, the, yes. the pretty girl, the one that smiles a lot, the nice one. Or being righteous or being overly strong and hyper-independent, you know. And so those kind of, the layering of those coping mechanisms for your experience become very often our personality. And when we sit inside of them, we can't see those deeper layers of where we're hurting. And if we can't see them, we can't feel them, we can't get to them. They can't be resolved. So... I want everyone, as you're listening to this show, even if there's some way where you're like, no, I'm super strong. No, I'm not sensitive at all. Or I handle stress really well. All of that I'm certain is true in all the ways that it's true. But I want you to notice the ways it isn't. I want you to notice the places in your body that that is not true. We're actually after the third breakup or after the fourth betrayal by a friend or after, you know, the second time you were you were overlooked for a promotion Somewhere deep inside that you never said it out loud, you thought it was you or you thought there was something inherently deficient about you that made your life this way. Notice the, the nuance of those tiny moments in the crevices. It's really important. Notice them. Don't get stuck there. You don't have to stay there. But perhaps write about it. Set aside some time to think about it because that's where the work is. Like truly, that's where the most important and very often the most beautiful parts of the work is. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Deeply. Wow. When it comes to, you know, the understanding of women's bodies, because I want to call out some things for men and women, you know, all of us can have CPTSD, PTSD, a whole host of mental and emotional, you know, disorders and hardships and challenges. Sometimes the hardship for women and being able to be with that. And again, since I am not a man, I can just kind of speak to this experience. Um, When for thousands of years, societally, you are looked at and crafted to be and forced to be a caretaker for everyone else Mm. and thinking about everyone else all the time. That is the baseline, I think, expectation of women always, even as children when we're two years old, but we're getting babies as presents and we're putting a bottle in a baby and caretaking for a baby as a child. Like it's ingrained in us to a degree we often don't realize this programming of martyrdom or this programming of self-sacrifice. And so that can often get in the way, which means you're taking on more work, you're being strong for everyone. And so when we use words like sensitivity, like you might be highly sensitive or you might be sensitive to those feelings, you want to reject it. I'm really speaking for myself now because for years I was like, I'm not highly sensitive. You know what I've been through? I'm so strong. No, I am. I feel everything. 
I feel everything. Being sensitive means that wiring inside of yourself that you are more prone to notice, to feel, to observe, to sense things that maybe other people aren't picking up on. And thank you for the biology of that, because I never knew that part of that is the divine orchestration so that we can carry children and be sensitive to those needs as well. Yeah. It's interesting to think about that. You know, even if we decide we don't want to have children or it doesn't work, it's not in our path. We do have organ systems that are designed to work for two. So our entire body is designed to work for two. And for that reason, our stress response is like the brain is more sensitive to stress. So when we have a stressor, and again, I'm speaking averages. So there's like plenty of people out there that don't, you know, that are outliers or whatever, but like on a whole, women's biology sets them up to be more sensitive to low blood sugar, to, to low thyroid, to adrenal stress. And that's why you see so much of the statistics around women's illness or chronic yeah. illnesses are affecting women in a predominantly higher rate. And I think part of that is the fact that we are pushing ourselves to, um, you know, meet some idea of success um, based on a male-centric a male centric system to an extent. Like wow. we want to be able to f- succeed in things that are, that men are succeeding in. And that's not all that we want. We also want to, you know, have children and all this, but we're pushing it back later. So there's like all of these reasons why I think our bodies are taking the hit. Mm. And so being highly sensitive doesn't just mean that you, um, you know, that you're weaker or something. It means that you're taking in more signals, potentially that your brain is flooded. Oof. Because that's how humans work, right? Like we take in signals, we interpret them, and then we get outputs. Yeah. And so as if you're dealing with a lot, like if you're putting your body through a lot, then you're taking in a lot of signals and you're overwhelmed. You're overwhelming your brain. And so you're going to be highly sensitive because you're going to have more responses from the brain to the things that you're taking in. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And and I wanted to say one thing, too, um, uh, regarding the, you know, the concept of like, pushing away complex trauma or like any of these kind of like heavier, potentially like darker aspects of ourselves, more painful aspects of ourselves. Um, A really liberating practice that I have used myself and with my clients is parts work. Mm. And so that's like looking at yourself as this multitudinous being instead of just being like one person, like I am strong. Mm. Um, You're actually like so many different things, Mm. right? So like you can have this trauma, you can have these wounds, you can have these patterns, and you can also have all of these other things as well. So you're also beautiful and sensitive and creative and resilient. Um, And you can also be like young and in pain, constricted, contracted, scared. And I think that's like, that's one part of the, the journey of working with complex trauma and actually just acknowledging that you have it is knowing like I have these parts yeah, and these parts need, they need care, they need attention, they need healing and I can still live my life. And, you know, we just seem to have a a more language for it in this culture and like more acceptance that that's what a lot of people's journey is, is it's actually like coming back to their true self through working and healing with healing these, you know, these parts. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I saw a stat recently. Uh, I was doing this amazing event um, with the women's Alzheimer's music, music, the women's Alzheimer's movement, um, who's just doing Maria Shriver, goddess, doing phenomenal work, um, getting studies done and pushing women's health forward in all kinds of ways. The stat said that out of all the cases of autoimmune disease, 70% of the cases are women. 
Can we first, can you share what autoimmune disease is and mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that it's being connected to having CPTSD mm-hmm. and why potentially it might affect women more? And so this also speaks to chronic pain and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So autoimmunity is when the immune system is not working properly. So it basically attacks cells within the body. It it doesn't, it's not able to distinguish between self and other. And so, and it can happen to different systems. So you can have autoimmunity of the thyroid, you can have autoimmunity of um, the digestive tract, you can have autoimmunity of pretty much every system in the body can be affected because the immune system plays a role in pretty much every function in the body. There's a, there's a tie there. And so Although I can't necessarily say, um, like, I don't, I don't fully understand the mechanisms of the, the connection to complex trauma and autoimmunity, um, there's a few things. One thing is, have you heard of ACE scores? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so ACE scores, is, it stands for adverse child experience. So if you have an ACE, especially like a four or more, then your chances of having any, you know, chronic illness, any addiction, there's like a whole list of things that you will potentially have in your life as a result mm. of having an adverse child experience. So that is one of the, one of the things, the study, the ACE, the like large ACE study is one of the things that put complex trauma on the map. Mm. So there is a really strong tie there. Again, if you have these like early life environmental failures that affect a small child's nervous system, so puts you into a sympathetic state, pushes you to disassociate, pushes you to freeze and collapse, fawn, all these things at a really early age when you're still developing who you are and your brain's still developing. So as a result of that, the immune system is consistently being triggered when you're having this sympathetic state, you're when you're getting pushed into the sympathetic state all the time. So when you have, you know, a upregulated nervous system all the time, your immune system is going to be disrupted by that. So that I think is the link. There is a link there between yeah. autoimmunity and complex, complex trauma. Um, as far as like why it's affecting women, again, like I think that partially that ties back into the fact that women have more sensitive systems. Mm. Um, but one thing I will say, and I know this is like not a popular you know stance, I think hormonal birth control creates a lot of problems for women because you're creating, you're basically severing ties between the brain and the ovaries. So you're creating a a disruption between the brain's capacity to communicate with your reproductive organs. And as women, like as, you know, as reproductive beings, we, our immune system is like directly linked to our reproductive organs, to our cycle every month. And so when you sever that communication, you are disrupting the body's ability to regulate its immune response. You're also disrupting the body's ability to regulate its cortisol response. And there's like, there's, there is data to, you know, to link this stuff. And so I don't think that there's like, um, I don't think there's like any kind of solid studies that can say directly like autoimmunity as a result of birth control, but like there's enough data there to like make that connection, I think. Yeah. And we have like, 65% or something of of reproductive women in their reproductive years in the, this country that are on hormonal birth control. Mm, my god. Or birth control in general, but I think a large percentage of that is hormonal birth control. And you know, something I want to call out in regards to like the study aspect of things or having, you know, um quote unquote scientific quantifiable proof. This is all new, right? It's not new in our bodies, but us making these connections and even studying women's health at all yeah. is incredibly new. Yeah. 
incredibly new. You know, previously, whenever any kind of medical condition would be explored, they'd only study men and then they choose to often just half whatever the prescription is because they thought of women as kind of being smaller half of men. So there is so much we are just beginning to learn about our unique bodies that has never Mm -hmm. existed before. That's one. Two is studies require funding. Most things are studied and in front of you because it was funded by someone or something or a company of some sorts. So a lot of times medications, treatments, different things that we see a lot that we trust. The reason they're in front of us is because there is a budget to market them and there is a budget to get them looked at. Um, And very often. Yeah. Anyway, I'll stay there with that. Um, It's a lot you could say there. (laughs) Don't want to get shadow banned, but. It's just really important to look at a multitude of information and really see where the connections are. This is how studies are funded. This is how science advances, medicine advances, and humanity evolves and advances. We see these bridges. We make these connections. We begin to kind of begin whatever the healing journey is. Um, And from there, we come up with our theories and we come up with, you know, Mm -hmm. our solutions and our quantifiable proof. So, I just want to put that there. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really important. Actually, that's like a soapbox that I stand on a lot is that, you know, with Western medicine, exercise physiology, nutritional epidemiology, a lot of it is still male studies or, um, you know, male cultures and Petri dishes. And so it's, there's, I see a lot of stuff that's being applied to women's bodies, like fasting and like extreme workouts and like very extreme diets. And I'm like, that's not going to serve the female physiology like there we have no research to back that up and um and I think so yeah so I think that's really important like that's one of my kind of like bullet points for how how I choose to work with women is like is it catering to actual to a woman's body is there a way that we can figure that out or is that is there proof there or does it intuitively feel right based on my knowledge of how female physiology works based on your knowledge and your experience working with women, what do you notice that a lot of women do that is not actually beneficial for women? Like things that may exist in the mainstream. Mm. Under eating. So like, yeah. So like restrictive diets. So low carb, um, uh, like keto diets. uh, Really? Yeah. I have a lot to say about these diets. Tell me about this. Cause that after I had my son, I did keto for about a year. I would and, I'd tell me the thanks. Yeah. And how did you, <laughs> how did you respond to it? You felt good. I did. Yeah. I, I actually, what I, something that I've been learning about myself, I've been in my own kind of, you know, experimentation phase with what actually works for my body. I, there, I spent seven years as a vegetarian and then I've tried raw veganism and I was so sick the whole time. And yeah. I've actually found that I thrive by eating organic meat. I love meat. I eat meat it, yeah. it for my body. And I know a lot of people will have different thoughts on this. And I'm sure people listening and, you know, this may be disappointing. Um, you know, I'll hold yeah. space for that. But meat, like having meat in my diet is really important for my vitality and my health. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wrote an ebook called Nourishing Our Sanity. And it's about like a, it's a full length ebook, like 2020. And it's about the importance of eating animals for women's physiological, behavioral, and mental health. And again, like there's plenty of people out there that disagree and I'm not um, like peddling a diet. Yeah. And, and so I'm not convincing. Yeah. I understand yeah. that anyone that is, wants to eat a certain way is going to eat that way. And we have the luxury in the modern world to do that. 
Um, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that it's the healthiest. And I think also we don't have a lot of longitudinal data for diets. And I think that's a big thing that we like, as a species are not super great at like looking ahead, like understanding how we're eating right now is going to affect us in five years, 10 mm. years. And that's like, to, you know, to, to, to kind of like go into the <sighs> pro-metabolic bioenergetic component, like or, you know, approach to nutrition, we're looking at stress. Like that's a big component of what we're doing. Is our diet contributing to stress at the level of the cell, the physiology, the main metabolic organ systems? Are they actually getting what they need so that you're not running off of stress hormones? And I think mm -hmm. a lot of diets and like approaches to health, you know, they have like a short-term benefit. They, they, like they, the short-term, you can feel really good and I think a lot of people don't understand like what they're doing to their body like five years down the line, hmm. especially again, women, because we are so sensitive to stress and deficiencies. Like we're set up to almost like have like a brain that monitors where we're at nutritionally. And so um, can you speak to that delay? Something I talked about in a recent episode was a doctor that I worked with, shout out Dr. Will Cole, the amazing, um, something that he kind of put on my radar is how much of our gu gut health is completely impacted by childhood food mm -hmm. choices. And so, you know, I, I, I had a working single mom growing up and so she was busy, you mm -hmm. know, she was busy. We were surviving. Um, there wasn't a lot of time. And so that's when McDonald's was on the scene. That's when a lot of these mm -hmm. places, so I eat McDonald's almost every day, you know, and yeah. the effects of that didn't start happening in my body till my thirties yeah. and my health started suffering. And I was like, how do I almost have leaky gut? Like I eat great, yeah. but it was from some of that kind of, um, you know, that childhood foundation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely true. I think a lot of us have a lot of repair work to do as adults because, you know, we, we live in a culture that even if you have money and you have two parents, they don't necessarily know about nutrition. It's not like baked into yeah. the culture. And then if you don't, if you have like a broken home or you're, you know, living in poverty, which was definitely like my childhood, then you're just kind of eating whatever is available. Yeah. And so I think this is like a big problem for a lot of us um, that we do have these childhood foundations of like, you know, malnourishment. And then we go into menarche, like we go into this like period that's really energy intensive for our bodies where we're going from being a woman to, a, you know, you could I, obviously men have similar things too. But for women, it's like you're going into womanhood, starting your period, you could actually become a mother. And we don't have the resources there to, um, to deal with that transition. So you'll see like a lot of women that start wow. there, they start to struggle with their health in their teen years, because th it, that energy intensive transition into womanhood is not backed by anything like they have no foundation from which to actually do that well. So they end up with like, you know, acne, they end up with mental illness, they end up with eating disorders. And that's when they're put on usually like birth control and antidepressants or something. Can, okay. Whoa. Sorry. I don't know if that was like a, a that wasn't really a direct answer to your question. No. I'm well, <laughs> it's like a whole nother tangent. I want to sit in this so bad. Oh my God. The nuance of this. Whew. Okay. Hold on a second. Cause there is you really said a lot and there are so many connections to be made and bridges to be kind of created from what you just said. So can you go back to how, how is nutrition, lack thereof, 
in those teen years, those transitional years for women's bodies, how is that impacting mental illness, Mm. mental health, some of those conversations? I know a lot of, um, for those that are familiar with like um, BPD, um, borderline personality Mm -hmm. disorder, or different kind of um, disorders that affect your emotional responses, Mm -hmm. Those are typically, they typically go undiagnosed, but are the signs are first seen in adolescence. So yeah, please, however, yep. however best to share, this is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it's like important for, for the, just like the foundations of understanding nutrition to, to understand that like nothing in our body is produced for free. So like everything that we rely on to have, you know, consciousness, to have a personality, to have a physiology is produced out of a chemical, something. Right. So like, that's what nutrition is. It's not just like, oh, I'm eating because it's good for me. And I, you know, it's like, no, you're actually eating to survive, to exist at all. And so that's what essential nutrients are. It's like, we we can't produce them. So we take them from our external environment and they become our internal environment. And then our biochemistry works. It just works. And since we don't have like a culture of health, like health norms, um, a lot of people don't get their nourishment needs met early in life. So I think because when we're younger, we're in a growth stage. So the the from evolu- an evolutionary perspective, like we're really important when we're young, right? Like we're we grow into a certain age, and then I like to joke that like oh, you could eat cardboard and you'd probably be okay, and you wouldn't get an autoimmune condition till you're like twenty, you know, twenty or something. Um, but like, so there's a lot of malnourished, dysregulated children in this culture, and that you know, moving in again to adolescence when hormones are changing, like your, your nature is moving you into an adult where you could produce life. You're becoming like a leader in, in the culture. You're becoming like a participant in the culture and a co-creator in the culture. And so you need all of that energy Mm. and you haven't gotten it or you haven't gotten it efficiently. And potentially if you have again, complex trauma, you haven't gotten enough of it to match the demands of your nervous system response. And so, um, So, yeah. So, like, again, the nutrients that we take in, you know, they all play roles in, like, um, you know, the enzymes, like the spark plugs that make everything work. Like, those are built out of, like, minerals and proteins. So, if you're not getting enough, you're just your oxidation rate, which is usually pretty fast. So, oxidation rate is, like, metabolism and oxidate. Metabolic rate and oxidation rate can be used interchangeably. It basically just means, like, how quickly is your body burning through its resources? Mm. Like, your cell burning through its resources. So children, most children have fast oxidation rate, like just naturally. So they're burning through their resources. But if they're not getting replaced, then you get to these like stages of important, you know, developmental shifts and you don't have the resources to like meet the demand. So this is, in my opinion, like what a lot of mental illness. And again, I can't I'm not an expert in like specific mental illnesses, but I was diagnosed with OCD, anxiety disorder, depression, bulimia, body dysmorphia. Like I was medicated for all kinds of stuff and diagnosed with that, with like all of those things when I was a teenager. And like looking back, I had complex trauma and malnourishment. Like that's, that was like, and no one asked me about that. Right. Because that's, we just don't have a language for that in this culture. And so, yeah. So it's, I think for a lot of women, this is, you know, this is a similar path for a lot of my female clients that they go through where they have this like really difficult teenage experience and they'll often use, you know, substances or something to like try to get through it. Um, and then they, you know, they're in their twenties trying to figure out what the hell happened 
And then in their 30s is when oftentimes they're like late 20s, second half of their 20s, 30s. So when the like deep healing is possible because they have a little bit more stability. So much of what you said makes me so emotional for so many reasons. Um, Mm. I just want to call out for people. There is a real truth and like being disadvantaged in every way at such a young age. You know, yeah. it's like there are so many people who have had challenging experiences when we, you know, to bring back forward this idea of shame or something being deficient or just not right about you, like not a life just can't go well for you, you know. And you're trying and you're striving and you still can't understand why things seem easier for other people. Mm. You know, I, I remember personally having that feeling in college. I, I had to work so many jobs. Someone that meant the world to me was murdered. I got hit by a car, all this stuff. And just my life was hard. It was so layered and complex. And it's like, I was like, why can't I just get ahead? Like, why can't I, I have these ideas. I have work ethic. I have, you know, a big, beautiful heart. Like, why don't things go well for me in the way I see them going well for other people? Mm -hmm. And I know, I mean, I just hear from thousands of people. There are hundreds of millions of people truly that have these experiences. One, you are not alone. If you're listening to this, you are not alone. You are not deficient. Nothing is wrong with you. And also, That thing that feels like projection, right? Like that looking, that noticing, that comparing, you are right. You did have less in every way. Your emotional needs most likely weren't met. You had childhood emotional neglect potentially. And then you also have all these other things where if you're not nourished in all the ways a soul, a being, a body needs to be nourished to live, there will be this sense that isn't just a sense, it's real, Mm -hmm. that you are slightly behind other people in life. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like you can't catch up. So I want to call that out that you're not crazy. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. Things were harder for you. Things were different for you. Healing is more challenging for you than it is maybe for the person you know who seemed to have gotten through that experience and they're doing just fine and you can't understand why it's taking you longer or it's not happening. You're right. You're right. It's valid. It's true. You're right. I think from this baseline of where we arrived, and thank you so much for just the excellent teaching of all of those dynamics. It's so important that we understand that. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, Palpocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative MBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Deeply well. Now that we have arrived here, I want to bring us back to like the deepest intention of my heart for this episode, which is building practice and process in your life. Because all those things are true, they are real. And when we understand the complexity and how dynamic our healing has to be, that's when the transformation is able to happen. That's when the health in your body, that's when the health in your soul, in your brain, in your behavior is able to transform. And it can happen. It can happen. It will happen. But Mm -hmm. process, Mm -hmm. process and practice. Mm -hmm. So for all the things that have just been said, all of the layers of 
how we are very often starting not at ground zero. We're starting at ground negative a million. (laughs) From there, Mm -hmm. how do we build ourselves? Mm. How do we transcend those experiences and that lack of adequate attention and nourishment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things I could say. I think for one, um, understanding that if you want to heal, like if you want to build your life up from a place of, I want to be healthy, I want to expand, I want to be, you know, I want to grow into the person I'm meant to be, connect and live from my, my true self, then that has to be a priority that you make. And that may not be something that the culture tells you you should do or should prioritize. Because, you you know, you really hit on something when you said, if you have complex trauma, you may feel behind. Like things have been harder. You've had to take yeah. longer. You may have had chronic illness. Like, so understanding that like healing means you're going to have to create your own trajectory and value system and ideas of success. And I do think mm. in this culture, women, ha- a lot of us are told that success looks a very specific way and you should have, you know, very specific milestones hit at a certain time and you should look a certain yeah. way while you do them. Yeah. And I think it's natural for our species to an extent to be like looking over our shoulder to see what the other person's doing and like trying to do the normal or acceptable thing so you can fit in and, you know, like we, we want to be accepted. We want to be, you know, like loved. Um, by others, but like to an extent, you really have to like take on, take your life as your unique life and understand that it has to look different, right? So like it does not have to look like anybody else's and it doesn't have to move at the pace that, um, you know, mother culture or like some subculture tells you it should. Yeah. So that's the first thing I think is just understanding that like healing can be success in and of itself. Yeah. Yes. My God. It's what, it's what we're here for, ultimately. It's to yeah. be ourself, our most yeah. vibrant self. It's none of these societal constructs, even though that's the time that we live in. Um, what I'm hearing in, in everything that we're saying and I want to really drive home is when we talk about self-care, this is what we mean. When we talk about the importance of self-care, this desiring of a life that feels softer, more nourishing, nourishing, more beautiful. The, this is the step to get there. Mm Self-care is not simply taking yourself shopping Mm. or doing something that's a pick me up for the mood that you're currently in. Self-care isn't something you do to distract or to be in performance with. Mm -hmm. It's what the words say, yourself and care. You Mm -hmm. need to take care of yourself. You need to meet your needs. You need to find out what you need. Mm-hmm. If someone listening is really ready to dive into more of like that process, what could be a couple first steps to say, how do I, how do I recognize what it is that I need? Mm-hmm. And how do I begin to create my system to meet those needs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think number one is you have a body. And that body needs stuff. It needs nutrients. It needs light. It needs air. It needs movement. It needs touch. So like, are you getting those things? Like, that's really important because I think a lot of us can um, try to bypass basic stuff by getting supplements or like eating a certain diet. And it's like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting touched every day? Are you getting sunshine, like fresh air? Are you moving? Um, So like baseline stuff, like your body needs these things. 
I used to work with children. So like I, you know, my background is in child development and I feel like the, the kind of like simple principles of what we teach children, how to perceive themselves and care for themselves and talk to themselves, like all of that stuff still applies to you as an adult. And you have all these little children inside. Like that's what parts work is, right? You're taking care of all of your little children. So are all of your children taken care of? Like are all of your parts taken care of? Mm. And so I I look at how that shows up in the body, like somatic parts, but that I think that can show up in your emotions, that can show up in the thought patterns that you have. Um, are you caring for all of these parts? Yeah. And then I think, um, so that's one thing is just like caring for the body. You have a body, you can't bypass it. Um, you have to take care of it. And and then secondly, like looking at ways that you can integrate into your life or integrate your days into your body. Mm. I don't know if that's the best way to like describe that or, you know, to um, frame that. But like a lot of us are living in our heads. And so I think in this culture, we cater to that. We cater to like what we call top down which is like upper brain functions. We go through, that's what talk therapy is, even mm -hmm. mindfulness meditation. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is just going through those like upper corticoid functions of the brain to kind of like narrate our lives, mm -hmm. tell ourselves what's happening in our lives. So we have that, we have that, that where we're living. And then we have the felt sense, which is like everything underneath that, that's like the, the temperature, the like climate of our lives. How do we feel? And so like a lot of us, we have checked out of various parts of our felt sense in our bodies for a reason. It's not just like it doesn't happen. So telling someone to just like go drop into their body could actually be very scary and threatening and confusing for them. Yeah. So I would say like understanding, again, you have a body, you have to inhabit it and care for it. And you need to figure out ways that you can do that in like a minimal effective dose. So you're not overwhelming your system by just like opening Pandora's box. Um, but also understand we live in a culture that is very top down. And so we have like institutions and norms and environments that are catering to us being up here. Yeah. And so there's things you can do, right? Like go to a yoga class or like go to some somatic class or, you know, like there's certain places where you can go where it's more so socially acceptable to slow the brain down and drop down into the body breath work or something. Yeah. But doing that yourself every day and finding little ways to cater to that, mm -hmm. um, small amounts, like you don't have to just drop, dive in and then just expect yourself to feel everything all the time. Yeah. That's not, usually that's not safe or realistic. Um, so you have a body, you need to inhabit it, you need to take care of it. And then also I think another one is grieving. I think that's actually from, oh, I just got like goosebumps. From my experience of working with my own complex trauma, there's so much grief to be felt once you start inhabiting your body. Yeah. And I think this is true for people who have complex trauma and people who don't. Also, like, I think complex trauma is a spectrum. It's not like a disease you have or don't have. So that's mm -hmm. important to understand, too. Like, it's a developmental, it's a set of embodied experiences, de developmental delays, disruptions, um, stoppages in your body, in your brain as a result of things happening or, you know, environmental stuff happening. But like that can look so different for different people. Yeah. Um, but even if you don't have any of that, there's a lot of room for grief mm -hmm. when you're doing healing work, when you're doing embodiment work. Um, and when we start to tap into stuff like stored memory in the body, oftentimes a lot of the things that we weren't in a place to feel in different phases of our lives starts to come up. And so, again, this is where you have to, like, 
it's important to create space for that, to create safety for that, to create yeah. language and relationships around that so you don't just push it back down or feel completely flooded and dysfunctional. Hmm. That's so important. Thank you for saying that. I've shared this um, on the show previously, but I want to I want to bring it forward again for those, especially as you're looking to grow your practice in grieving. It's so necessary to make time to grieve. I found that in some moments um, that have been maybe some of my most busy moments, but most charged moments, I'll literally set an appointment to cry. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll look at my calendar and say, okay, you are going through a lot. You cannot open any of it up for the next three days. Mm -hmm. You just can't. But it's got to come out. So then, you know, I'll look ahead and I'll say, Friday, I'm going to drop my son off at school. I actually have the whole afternoon mm. and I'll settle into a practice. I have a grief playlist that has songs nice. that I know really invoke me emotionally to feel whatever needs to be felt. And you just sit with yourself and that'll look differently for each of us. Um, I'm kind of a stoic crier. So I just mm. have like, I sit there and then I just have like these waterfalls coming down my eyes, but I'm kind of still about it. Yeah. <laughs> but you might, you know, there are moments where you might want to hold yourself to support yourself, put a little pressure on your body, mm -hmm. maybe bring some scent in, um, maybe have textures nearby that feel good to you, have a temperature that feels good, but there are so many ways to make it uniquely your own. And I hope everybody will, because that part of the process is just huge. invaluable. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. For everyone listening to this show and really thinking about ways that you want to expand on this new deepened journey, I want to always remind you that this is a slow, beautiful work. You do not have to get to the bottom of how your body works, how your body heals today, this weekend. In fact, I would like to encourage everyone listening to take the next two years hmm. to research, explore, and be with yourself without any judgment. You don't even have to quantify it for the next two years. Just observe yourself. Just study yourself and keep experimenting Keep trying new practices. Anytime you want to run from a practice, stop doing it. Ask yourself why. On the other side of that question, there may be a very valid reason that leads you to the next thing you should try, or it leads you to one of the walls you have up inside for yourself. And then you have the opportunity to disarm it, greet it, release it. So take time with this. None of this has to be done immediately. All of it is meant to be in slow process. And in that slow process, as you're mm -hmm. spending all this time, hopefully with your body, with your lifestyle, with your diet, with the different practices you take on, you also get to find a little bit more of your true self. You get to uncover the truth of your personality, the truth of your emotional responses, the truth of your desires. And the empowering feeling of knowing you have the ability to meet needs that may have never been met before inside of yourself. As we close out this show, Kimber, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank this you for your work. Beautiful. I'd like to ask, how can everyone connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Kimber Malden. Um, and you can also find me at my website, 
KimberMalden.com. And yeah, that's mostly the social media I'm I'm open to doing right now. <laughs> and all the information will be underneath this episode, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Scroll down and everything is linkable so you can check it out directly from your podcast listening streaming service. Um, when I close out the shows, I like to offer every guest an opportunity to share what we call here soul work. So after we've listened to this episode and everyone is kind of being with the essence of it, a way to be in process with it and integrate it over the course of this next week. Mm-hmm. That can look like a specific activity. It could look like an inquiry, a journal prompt of some sort, whatever you think might be best to explore after this episode is heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, explore slowing down. So like look at what slowing down means for you and find a few things that you can do to anchor yourself into the moment to slow down, to kind of observe what happens to you. And this, I would say, do this without your phone. Like, do this without a, a, yeah. a screen. Um, because when we're looking at a screen or we're looking at a phone, that's usually what people are looking at, um, you're, you're sympathetic dominant. Like, you're actually triggering the um, convergent ocular functions that directly send the message to your brain that you need to be, like, really focused and kind of upregulated. And so I tell, like, I have clients take you know, 10, 15 minute breaks throughout the day to go and look at the sky because mm. that actually triggers like a down-regulated state in the brain. And so it's slowing down and inducing a sense of awe, mm. like intentionally, I think we might like stumble into those experiences in life and we go, why does that feel so good? And then we like want to go back there, but we our lives are not catering to it. Mm. But I would say like, just for, you know, for an amount of time, do like a, you know, an experiment how do I feel when I integrate slowness and awe into my days? Because it's actually, I mean, there's science to back this up. You can, it actually like improves the function of your brain and can combat stress. It will change your life. Yeah. And it'll make you want to be here more. Yeah. Yeah. It will make you want to be here. It'll make you find so much beauty in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tiny joys. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Take a moment to rate and review this podcast. Five stars, please, if you feel so called. Um, And anything you'd like to write and share. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Debbie Brown. And until next week, namaste. The content presented on Deeply Well serves solely for educational and informational purposes. It should not be considered a replacement for personalized medical or mental health guidance and does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, it is advisable to consult with your healthcare provider or health team for any specific concerns or questions. Connect with me on social at Debbie Brown. That's Twitter and Instagram. Or you can go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, don't forget, please rate, review, and subscribe, and send this episode to a friend. Deeply Well is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Jacquees Thomas, Samantha Timmons, and me, Debbie Brown. The beautiful sound bath you heard? That's by Gerilyn Glass from Crystal Cadence. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.